Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. There's news in the NFL today. It's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rock Style. Oh, Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold weather team. Neck rolls. And grass-stained jerseys. The good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. And we are live. Welcome in, everybody. To the weekly hot routes discussion here, joined as always by the lovely Matthew Collar, uh, a Vikings insider podcast. And uh, we've got some fun topics today. We're going to be talking about some of the year one quarterbacks, who's impressed us, who maybe hasn't impressed us. We're going to talk about Justin Fields a little bit and all the drama in Chicago, among some other things. Uh, how are you doing today, Matthew? A little thrown off by being called lovely. I think that's probably the first time that uh, anyone has ever referred to me that way. I just, I just want to say about Justin Fields. If you say in front of everyone, it's my coach's fault. You can't then be like, no, I didn't. It's on tape. Like uh, we can all look at it again. It's not like, oh, maybe somebody misheard him or, you know, back in like the fifties, if you were covering a sport and you just sort of scratched it down on a piece of paper, they could be like, oh, I was misquoted. Uh, No one gets misquoted anymore, my guy. Uh, So not a good situation there. And then their defensive coordinator quits. So everything is going just swimmingly. But I got to say with every bust quarterback, there's just a moment. There's a moment where you go, now it's over. And with Justin Fields, I feel like that moment was today. Just like this, this guy just cracked. It's just, it's just over there. I don't know. Like, there, There's nowhere this can go. That's going to be so much better that he becomes the franchise quarterback, not the way he played, but also not the way he's handled this. I mean, like every quarterback handles two losses in a row. I was just talking to Kirk Cousins today at his press conference, and it's like you wouldn't know the Vikings were 0-2 because to be an NFL quarterback, you can't lose it and call out your coaching staff after two games uh, or you're not going to do very well with the pressure. So uh, that's not good. I would say that as of this moment, it would be some kind of turnaround if Justin Fields figured this all out after this. Yeah, I, I saw the video and, and I, I wrote down some things myself so that I'm not paraphrasing anything. Nothing has been construed here. Here's just a couple of the lines from his presser today 
for those that didn't catch it. He basically let off and said, my goal is to say F it and play football the way I know how to play football. Uh, he was asked, he basically proceeded to say, and now I'm paraphrasing slightly, but he, he proceeded to say, you know, too much information can be too much and I'm not playing fast enough, all this stuff. Someone asked him, why is that? And he said, when you're fed a lot of information and trying to think about that info, it doesn't let you play like yourself. If I was playing like my old self, we would have had a few more third down conversions. And that does make me wonder um, if he was playing like his old self, would he have hit wide open receivers from a clean pocket um, on a critical down in this game, instead of running into the back of his offensive line, as we've all seen the clip getting circulated basically everywhere where, whether it's Twitter or ESPN. I mean, the reality is he just did not play well. And even if some of the, you know, some of the discussion about, yeah, the coaching staff isn't doing a, doing an amazing job here. Even if that's true, it's, it's obvious that there's plays where the execution is not there on fields behalf. And there are plays and throws to be made from a traditional sense, which he seems to basically be saying all of this NFL coaching mumbo jumbo is no good. I need to just go out and play backyard football the way I know how to play football. And it's like, dude, you are insane at this point because the throws are there to be made. Um, what what do you think about all this? Is this is this a little bit more than you've seen from from any quarterback out there as far as actually blaming their coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, a lot of times when you're seeing the bust quarterback start to crack, you get the excuses leaking through, and and a lot of like this is a very common one with players who bust is the I just need to get back to being myself. And you're like, which self would that be, Justin Fields? Like, when exactly? What was your team's record last year? Like, when exactly was this self playing football? Because I must have missed it. Was it before Cade McNown? Was it after the Jay Cutler era? Like, when was that? Oh, we talk in Ohio. State where you had the best receivers in the world run wide open crossing routes and you just flipped them the ball. I mean, like when he came out, I really liked him as a prospect. I mean, he has unbelievable athletic ability, acceleration. I think arm strength and accuracy when he could set throw the football, but it's very clear he is seeing nothing out there. He does not know where to go with the football, how to play in rhythm, how to play in time with his wide receivers. His and his wide receivers get the blame, and his offensive coordinator gets the blame, his offensive line gets the blame. It's like, dude, I'm seeing better stuff from CJ Stroud, and you are playing left tackle for the Houston Texans right now. They have the worst offensive line, and here's CJ Stroud doing a lot of NFL looking things as tough as it's going to be for him he's looking more advanced as a passer than Justin Fields is already but it's one of those things where I think that he's like rejecting the idea that it's going total bust for him and trying to search desperately for explanations more so than it is malicious attacking the coaching staff where it's like this well I just got to get back to being me and I just got to play my way and whatever like last year when it went horribly and you lost all the games and couldn't pass. But I think it's very hard for any player who goes through this, who's been great their whole life, and then has gotten a free pass for two straight years of, well, you know, they're rebuilding. It's not his fault. He's a rookie or whatever else. Now when there's expe expectations, well, what's the what's the explanation now when you go 0-2 and you flip the ball right to Shaq Barrett for a touchdown yeah. and you get, you, you get sacked a bunch of times. And he's, he hasn't stopped getting sacked, which is why I was very, one of the reasons I was very skeptical of 
this next step that was supposed to happen. But I, I think we've seen this with just about every quarterback who goes bust. There's always, it's not as explosive as this, but there's always kind of that, well, I, I, I can do it. I just got a X, Y, and Z. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think that it's there, but I will, I want to give, tell me if it's a hot take, Marcus. I want to give credit to the bears coaching staff for not running design runs. You know why? Because I think this is a year to find out if he's your franchise quarterback to truly find out. And you are by doing the Daniel Jones last year, putting the guy in a bubble, running a bunch, having him throw short passes and just trying to make the playoffs. That's all great. But until, Oh, the seeing ghosts, somebody brings up with Sam Darnold, like that's the moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, like, so they, they did, Dable did everything he could with Daniel Jones to just be like, don't be a bust. Don't be a bust run. They throw short passes, whatever. Let's make the playoffs. Cause our franchise is a disaster. And then they had to pay him 40 million. I would much rather say, if you're actually going to win anything, you have to throw the football in a real offense, not just like try to scramble and beat the Falcons or something like you really got to throw the ball. So let's see if you can run a real complete offense and add the running element to it and so far the answer is absolutely not which is great for them to know because then they can make a decision on a quarterback in the future much easier i don't think that's a hot take at all and i know a lot of bears fans don't want to hear that but over the first two weeks i, I heard them say oh you got to run them you got to run them i'm like this is you are on the opposite end of what ravens fans have been going through for the last three years where all they wanted to do was was you know get rid of uh, of greg roman in that offense you know, so it's like, okay, so you just want to go full Greg Roman here and, and take the top off your offense forever. It just doesn't make any sense. And it's definitely concerning just the way he was kind of tongue in cheek about just the idea of coaching overall. Like you, you talk about coming into the year, we wanted to see him respond and grow to coaching in the way that guys like Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson have over the years. And he's out here basically selling the idea of, learning you know i think he, he mentioned something about like pocket movement and said it kind of like sarcastically and like basically he's he's saying all these coaching points are no good i just need to go out and, and play football and it's like no no that's not what needs to happen here you are completely in denial of what your problems are right now so that really screams bust to me when you, you see the way he's come out so slow and uh yeah i think this thing is is like the idea of him maybe even starting the rest of the way I don't know if that's a lock, especially, you know, when the coaching staff, their jobs are on the line now. If he's not playing well, he's not running their offense. Uh, it's their ass that they need to start to save. So I, I think it could go as far as that. And, uh, you know, for all the Bears fans that came at me when I said this has Caleb Williams potential, I'm just I'm just going to stand here and smile at you. I think uh, two things on that. Lamar Jackson, I think, is actually kind of a great example of when he first first, first got into the league when he first started midway through that, whatever year it was 2018 season. And they, they pretty much just had him run the football and then throw every once in a while. But in that second year, he took the big step of being a very, very effective passer. And even though I would not put him in the top five to seven throwers of the football in the league, he's clearly in the top like 15. And mm. he showed that that year he took the step from being like, I think you can win. A, and Jalen Hurts is a good example of this, too. I think you can win nine games, 
10 games with a running quarterback. Vince Young won a, a bunch of games and couldn't really pass the ball that effectively. But you can't be a real contender unless you're throwing the ball. And that's, I mean, I know Lamar hasn't gone deep in the playoffs yet. I'm a believer that he will at some point, that he's going to reach a, an AFC championship. He's going to reach a Super Bowl because that's there. And we definitely saw it from Jalen Hurts. Gets to the Super Bowl. He wasn't just running. He's making throw after throw after throw. Even, you know, that Thursday night game. He's not passing perfectly all the time, but he hits a 60-yard touchdown. He hits a 50-yard pass down the field. It, there is no effectiveness to Justin Fields whatsoever. And also, the other thing, too, is one thing I've never seen from him is a command of his team. I have never felt like this guy is in control. And again, to kind of reference the younger quarterbacks, I mean, Anthony Richardson, it sucks that he got hurt because mm -hmm. two games in, I'm like, this dude is in total control. I look, just look at him. Look at the way he's getting the line scrimmage in and out of that huddle and just getting everybody set up and running the plays. Yeah. Some throws are terrible, but like that, <laughs> that, that you can work on. It being a leader, being in command, having resilience, fighting through things. We have never seen that from Justin Fields. And today was a good example that the guy gets to Owen two. It's not going well. And it's not a, we're going to fight through this together. How about Trevor Lawrence when he was being coached by the worst human being alive. And he's like, <laughs> we're going to fight through every week. He's going out. We're going to fight through this. We're going to work through it. And then, you know, he, takes that next step the following year when he's got a real coach, but we never saw him crack under urban Meyer and we've already seen it from Justin Fields. I feel like a few times where he's had no resilience. It reminds me of a guy that I covered in Buffalo, EJ Manuel, who got benched in his make or break season for Kyle Orton, who nearly got them to the playoffs. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I, now, like what are the odds of this turning around to going in a good way? Pretty, pretty low. Absolutely. All right. Well, Fields has been catching straight, not strays, but he's been uh, definitely a big talking point of this show. And we'll continue to monitor this situation, surely, uh, as we as we move forward. But um, I want to talk um, about some other teams, too. Uh, and uh, like what teams to you have really surprised this season? What have uh, come out the gate and been different than what your expectations were this season? Uh, I'll, I'll start on this one. And I'm going to give a little bit of love to a bad football team, the Arizona Cardinals, who are 0-2, but it's a tough, scrappy 0-2. And this was right out the gate, kind of like a I was wrong moment for me with Jonathan Gannon. We saw the clips throughout the offseason. He shows up and he's like doing this weird hoorah thing with his players. And they're kind of looking at him like, what did you just say to me? Uh, he has the weird... Um, you know, the, the training camp clip of him saying like, who took the bus to, you know, the game today or what, whatever it was just a kind of a weirdo. And I also looked at him coming from Philadelphia, a defensive minded head coach, a team that had talent galore and had Vic Fangio in his hip pocket in Philadelphia, helping him game plan. And I'm like, is this guy even that great of a defensive coach? And that team is playing really hard for Jonathan Gannon. And I want to give them a tip of the cap, at least to the point, you know, they got to start winning games and stuff before I'm crowning him a great coach, but it's at least to the point that he's, he seems to have that locker room. They seem to have a bit of a plan and an identity. I think they've gotten some nice surprise performances. They've got a guy like Victor Demukaje out there, like, you know, six round pick three years ago, looks like a potential stud for them. Um, 
yeah, I just I I think he's kind of captured that locker room. I I also really like some of the stuff they're doing offensively. I'm I'm very curious to see, you know, with with Rondale Moore and Hollywood Brown and McBride, the young tight end looks good. Um, play calling feels pretty good. I'm very curious if this team could get Kyler back in a couple weeks and you know basically finish with it with five six wins this year because they're right on the cusp right now granted not against great teams or anything washington and uh the new york giants but yeah i, I want to give them some love because i was really hard on jonathan gannon and that whole move i mean hell they they cost themselves a draft pick to go and get him because they were tampering with the eagles when they were still in the playoffs and i was like you got to tamper to get this guy and i think he's doing a good job so far i agree with you uh and I think that it might be a team that, you know, sort of fights their way through it, but it's also only two weeks of misery. And when we get to like six to eight weeks of misery, we'll kind of see. I mean, I think yeah. that, you know, Jonathan Gannon's a guy we need to give time for. And I think uh, Trevor in the comment section makes a great point about, you know, maybe they're like the, the tanking dolphins where Brian Flores had them playing pretty well, a defensive head coach playing with some grit fighting each week. But also I think the giants are, bad i i like the giant the thing about the giants was their big argument for improvement and and credit to daniel jones the way he played in the second half of that game uh was hey we're gonna have dan you know darren waller now and now our offense is taking the next big step and tight ends to me are the dessert not the main course of weapons unless it's rob gronkowski who is probably the greatest ever if not like tony gonzalez or you're not throwing back to you know, Mike Ditka or something. But when we're talking about <laughs> modern tight ends, like Travis Kelsey, okay, that's a different story. That's a tight end who averages 15 yards a catch. But for the most part, they are the the sort of supplement to the, the great receivers. And they still don't have great receivers. They still didn't find an answer at receiver. Their offensive line, not that good. They drafted a rookie center. Okay, well, I think he could be a good player and they've got a great left tackle, but the rest is kind of a mess. And now Saquon Barkley, is hurt and it's like I, I don't know I, I just can't see that Giants team making the playoffs or being a good team so it wasn't totally shocking to me that Arizona could compete with them and then ultimately lose I also think that it would be a big mistake if they brought back Kyler and won games I think Kyler should go to Cabo and enjoy a couple of weeks there and just you know have a just have a nice year where he doesn't have to worry about football and lose as many games as possible and get Caleb Williams and Houston's going to give you another draft pick get Marvin Harrison Jr get Caleb Williams and profit uh is what I think they should do but I I just I think they deserve your your praise, but I also think like, don't, don't get, don't get too happy. Like, don't, don't get going here too much, uh, <laughs> you know, because I think you want that top pick quarterback um, for me. Yeah. Surprise because Sam Howell was my guy. I don't know. Can I call it a surprise? Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I was, I was on top of this the entire time. I mean, I think there's an obvious one that's shocking. I'm just kidding about the Sam Howell thing. He has looked pretty good though, but um it's Cincinnati. I mean, it's just been a complete disaster. And going into this year, I just thought, look at this roster. This is the best Cincinnati roster that they've had, but I can't control Joe Burrow's calf. And one thing I know about calf injuries from following player injuries for many years covering them is just that if you bring back somebody too early with a calf injury, they will absolutely re-aggravate it. I mean, it's almost a guarantee. And he looked miserable 
part of his deal is that he's so pocket mobile, you know, he's mm -hmm. a playmaker. And if you're just sticking him in the ground, like a statue, this is not Dan Marino after tearing his Achilles. I mean, this is a guy who needs to be a playmaker. I don't, I don't feel like that team is bad, but I feel like when they have their quarterback that cannot move or play, and now it's going to be Jake Browning, uh, Viking legend, Jake Browning. <laughs> I, I just, I, I feel like they are in deep trouble. I mean, if they go to zero and three, it's going to be really hard to make the playoffs. And that's going to be a shame because they're great. And Joe Burrow, when he's healthy is truly great. And I just think this might end up being a lost year for them. Yeah, it definitely it definitely hurts. I mean, I I had the Bengals as my Super Bowl pick this year, so I'm going to I'm going to wait a couple more weeks before I uh jump off off of the ship here. I I do think the Ravens played a hell of a game last week and I, I think it was more of a Ravens won the game than it was the Bengals lost the game. Um but it is definitely notable that the offense does not look in sync. Burrow can't move in the same way that he once did. So it's definitely concerning. Um, especially yeah, if he's going to miss some time. So that, that's a, that's definitely a surprise there. Um, one, one more team I wanted to shout out um, has to do with another kind of coach and team that I was down on coming into the year. And that's the new Orleans saints. I, I know they haven't played the best opposition yet. They played the Titans and they played the Panthers, but you know, last year it really felt like Dennis Allen had kind of quickly lost his luster. Uh, you know, they started slow and the game was, you know, kind of poorly managed in those kind of game management situations. They lost some close games and very quickly. We we're just like, yeah, this isn't Sean Payton anymore. They're not a great, you know, not a well-coached team, but they finished the season really strong last year in new Orleans. And then this off season, he shakes up the D line, you know, drafts Brian Brzee in the first round. Um, and coming out the gate like that D line was turned over and looks awesome. Like every acquisition they made Colin Sanders, um, uh, Shepard from the jets. I mentioned Brzee, uh, his guy, uh, Carl Granderson, super underrated player. That was like a troubled young athlete that kind of came into the league undrafted, but a former like highly recruited dude, super toolsy pass rusher. He looks great. Um, they're going with the young guys in the secondary after they cut, uh, Bradley Roby, but, I've always appreciated his scheme. It just felt like the head coaching aspect of things were a little bit, you know, you know, he's a little bit in over his head as far as being a head coach, but he, they've come out the gate much more collected and much more of a plan on that side of the ball. And I'm just really impressed with, with the job Dennis Allen and the saints are doing, especially on defense. So um, I wanted to give them some credit, even if they haven't again, gone against the best opponents, um, but that's going to be the course for them all year. They don't play a lot of great quarterbacks this year either. So well, uh, you're, you know, they're probably playing their second best quarterback in Derek Carr since Taysom Hill. Is, no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I best. you got Jamison there, too. <laughs> <laughs> I never understood. Were you a Jamison person? I never or a Jameis. I, I was never a Jameis person. I just like if you, well, if, Jameson, if you throw I'm, a, in, I'm a Jameson guy. I, I, I like a good Jameson and <laughs> Jameis. <laughs> but I, 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 I never could understand like. I know he threw for a lot of yards, but 30 interceptions about three times what usually leads the league. So that's <laughs> not good. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think with the Saints, I want to give time to let their offense figure it out with Derek Carr and not be over judgmental. I also think that Panthers defense might be legit. Uh, and mm -hmm. so that 
caused the hideousness. So, I mean, was there two uglier football games? I thought it was like 1994 again, the way those offenses were Bad. looking the other night. Well, I got to throw out there Jacksonville. I mean, that's another team that has surprised me because I just thought they would look sharper on offense. And I know, were you practicing your toe taps this week? I was going out in the backyard, <laughs> draw a little line, practice my toe taps, see if I can uh, be a Jaguars wide receiver because they would have had, what, two more touchdowns? Yeah, they easily. Toe tap. And so you have to adjust your rankings and your EPAs and everything else with the knowledge that those throws were kind of there and the receivers didn't make the plays still uh, nine points at home. Not what I expected from them. I expected a much hotter start. I still think that they will be a very good team, but if we're talking about surprise starts, I would have expected more from the Jaguars right away. Yeah, that was a weird game, honestly. I I walked, got through that game, and I was like, I don't know if I can even really take too much from this game. There were so many penalties, fumbles. though They were so close to connecting on all these throws that we saw just a week ago with Calvin Ridley. They were connecting on everything. So I, I'm really not too worried about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, are they this world beater? No, probably not. Um, I, I do want to – it's not one of our topics today, but I'm curious what you think – about the Jawan Taylor stuff, uh, the right tackle. So they gave him a huge contract from Jacksonville, a guy that's kind of improved every year. Um, and, you know, after one game on prime time in the, you know, bright lights in the first game of the year, he's lining up too deep in his stance. He's, you know, starting a little bit early. And then the NFL comes out and says, uh, we're going to crack down on this. You can't start early. You can't line up deep. Um, he was penalized five times in this game against the Jags. They ended up pulling him from the game at a point in time to kind of coach him up. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to, no one's going to feel sorry for chiefs fans, but isn't that kind of sucky for the chiefs? Like they, they paid this guy based on what he's been doing. He's been doing it for years in Jacksonville. No one said a peep. And then now because he's a chief, like they're going to crack down on it. I feel like Jacksonville should get a discount on his contract or something. If they're going to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting, like uh, Chris Collinsworth in that first night is calling him a slot receiver. <laughs> it was just like, well, uh, I mean, when you watch it, it certainly looks like he's jumping early. Now, there's a lot of tackles who kind of do, and we have been through this with Twitter or X, whatever, uh, but there's offensive line Twitter. Who's like, no, no one is ever jumping offside, nor has <laughs> yeah. anyone held. And then the rest of Twitter is like, wait a minute. It looks like he's offside. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle that it's really hard to watch two things with your eyeballs at once to watch his foot with the movement of the center. And I, and there's something to do with like, as soon as the center moves at all. So any of his body, then it's go time. So the mm -hmm. ball may not be out of his hand yet, but the tackle is moving, but that's the rule is like, because once it's like a pitcher, the center, once he moves anything, that ball's got to go. So it's kind of like the pitcher with a runner on first base, where it's like, if you move anything, you can run. So yeah. you can move as a right tackle. So everyone thinks everyone's offside all the time, but they are following the sort of letter of the law uh, by the way that it looks still with him. He kind of took it to the extreme. And I think that if the referees told him before the game, and I know these conversations are ongoing with coaches, with players all the time, if they said, look, he, we're clarifying this rule. You can't do it the way that you've been doing it. You're going to have to cut it out. You're going to have to, you know, get a little closer and you're going to, you know, stop doing that. And, uh, yeah, he didn't do it. Then it's just on him. And, and 
regardless of all these arguments and all these breakdowns and everything else. And I I'm sure the offensive line, Twitter people know what they're talking about and they've got the rule, right. And they're very defensive about it. So clearly they've paid some attention to this in the past, but if the referees are telling you, you can't do it that way, then you just can't do it that way because you can't get those penalties. So even if you're not doing it illegally, you have to change what you're doing. That's just kind of the fact of the matter. You can't get a bunch of penalties and help your team like not perform, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's a very difficult subject to kind of wade yeah. through and figure out who's right. I, I definitely stayed away from it after the first week. And then I, I saw what happened where he, you know, he's getting benched and pulled out of the game after being penalized five, five times. And I'm like, that's kind of a big deal. So it will be very interesting to see like how he grades out, how he plays the rest of the year. Like if he's got to relearn the position at $20 million, that's going to be something that could potentially hold the chiefs back. So it, it is definitely a big deal. Um, but let's get to our next subject, and I'm going to let you start on this one. We're just going to talk about some opinions on some of these year one quarterbacks. Uh, who's impressed you? Who might also be concerning you a little bit? Uh, real quick, we have some breaking news. Uh, oh. The uh, the Minnesota Vikings here, the hometown club for, uh, well, both of us in Minnesota, have acquired Cam Akers in a trade. Wow for uh, a swap of 2026 draft picks, which uh, to me would say the Rams <laughs> wanted him super gone and the Vikings yes. were willing to take him for absolutely nothing. Uh, what, what do you, what do you think about that? What, what should I think about that? I just yeah, saw well, it come up. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't do you know need to go that. do your job real quick. Do you need, <laughs> no, it's good. we're fine. We're good. I'll talk about it later on the show, but like, uh, I don't um, know. I mean, the running game has been horrific for the Vikings. So, I think yeah. that makes sense to get someone, but if you're on the outs with Sean McVay, I don't think that's a good sign. No, definitely not. And I mean, I will say one of our topics later is going to be fantasy buy sell. And one of my cells was Alexander Madison, who just has not looked good. Um, but yeah, it, this has been a budding situation for a couple of years now. They just haven't really seen eye to eye. Akers was an interesting guy, a five-star recruit coming out with a ton of talent. Um, but does seem to be missing a little something, whether it's consistency in the receiving game, the vision, there's something about his game that coaches just don't love. Um, obviously familiar with the system, uh, familiar with the system, you know, outside zone run game. I, I don't, I don't think it's a bad move for the Vikings by any stretch of the imagination. You got to, you know, roll a dice and, and see if you can improve the run game. Um, as for the Rams, I mean, that, that ship definitely felt like it sailed. So I'm, I'm not surprised about the value. Some people will probably say that's it, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a, an expiring contract running back that hasn't been particularly good, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has a nice little, you know, bounce back season in a, in a change of scenery. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. And I also think it was clear the Vikings didn't trust their number two running back, which is probably a trivia question uh, at this point, like because Ty Chandler has seen so little work. They acquired Miles Gaskin, another guy who just mm -hmm. is a guy. So they probably needed someone else and maybe to put a little pressure on Madison because it hasn't just been the blocking. It's also been, I think he's missed a lot of opportunities. The rushing yards over expected numbers would kind of say the same thing. So uh, the Vikings getting two players this week showing a little bit of their desperation i think for where they stand so anyway well, i just thought i'd since we're going live pop yeah that in absolutely there. uh let's circle back to what what was the question again uh year one quarterbacks uh who's who's impressed you and and who has you a little concerned 
Uh, so I really, really like what I saw from Anthony Richardson. I mean, yep. really liked it. I just, I mentioned earlier, feel like he's in command. I think he's thrown the football fairly well for what is expectation and how far this guy has to go. Remember he played one year and then he's just coming out and his running is just so next level dynamic. I, I mean, you can just do so much with him. Uh, the, and there's just so much room to grow. So when a player with that much room to grow looks comfortable commanding an NFL team right away, uh, you've got my attention. CJ Stroud, I, I think I've seen a lot of the same things with him, knowing where to go with the football, making reads, making good quality throws, and his team is just bad. And he has a ways to go too, but his line especially is causing so many problems for what they can do. I think both those guys are on the right track. I am not a panic button in year one on quarterbacks ever because we've seen like Jared Goff was so horrific and then he turned into a good NFL quarterback. But I will say yeek with uh, Bryce Young. It does not look good. His receivers have not been open. I saw a chart of like how often receivers have been open. And, uh, you know, of course, the Vikings are like way at the top because Justin Jefferson and the Panthers were like dead last. I think it's as bad of a situation as exists on offense in the NFL, but it also hasn't looked like he's comfortable at all playing at this level. And there is a long, long way to go. So I think that the Texans and the Colts should feel pretty good about what's happened so far. And I don't know. I mean, if you're, if you're in Carolina, it's only two weeks. You just can't get too excited about this uh, or too upset about this, but you have to be going like, and that Anthony Richardson over there looks pretty good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's just, it's just awful that Richardson got hurt. And I hope that they keep him out as long as it takes for him to be back to a hundred percent before he plays, because this guy looks like a, a franchise quarterback to me right away. Yeah. Richardson definitely needs to learn from what Andrew Luck never did. And, you know, don't take unnecessary hits because he hasn't been able to get through either of his starts so far. They pulled him at the very end of that Jags game when he was trying to make make something happen. But I, I agree. Richardson, just the, the speed of the game is not too fast for him. Just, he just looks in control. Um, but I think that, I mean, Steichen's offense is awesome for him and, and Minshew steps in and he's shredding up the Texans defense too. So, you know, landing spot matters so much with this too. Uh, Bryce young. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to dive into the all 22 and, and hopefully put together an answer uh, on what's what I'm fully seeing there um, this weekend. You know, it, it's been everything's been wrong there for sure. Uh, I do want to talk up my guy Jordan Love a little bit because week one, I was a little bit more pumped the brakes. A lot of his production was kind of gimmicky, weird plays, uh, the throwback screen and the the Y leak where the tight ends wide open down the field. Um, but this week in Atlanta, no David Bakhtiari, no Aaron Jones, no Christian Watson again. And he's got the complete package, man. He looks freaking awesome. Um, and by the way, I said year one quarterbacks as in like everyone in their first year starting, he's obviously not a rookie. Okay. But, I, I um, thought like, well, I figured this out when you started talking about Jordan Love, but I was like, oh, yeah. okay. You, you designed the question so you could talk about Jordan Love. I got it. Exactly. Go ahead. <laughs> well, and I said, I was trying to set you up to, you know, rave about Sam Howell again too, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean this, this guy, like he has such a baseline of the fundamentals of the position. He gets through his reads. The release is quick. He, he processes defenses. There haven't really been any like mistakes where he's misreading coverages. He really hasn't put the ball in harm's way that much at all. I think, you know, there's one throw against the bears where it was a little bit behind, 
Like the only question really left for Love is going to be, is he going to be able to sustain this against better defenses and the accuracy where he has had the occasional throw that is off. That's like my one concern from an evaluation standpoint on him. Um, but this, this is a guy that wants to throw from the pocket. He wants to get the ball out on time, protect his offensive line in that way, um, but also has all the tools to extend plays. And there was a couple plays in this Falcons game, whether it's scrambling or, or hitting Romeo Dobbs in the sideline um, in play extension. And you're just he just has the full package. He looks really good. He looks comfortable. And he hasn't even had, you know, all his all his, you know, arsenal at his back either. So I, I you got to be encouraged if you're a Packers fan, like walking out of a, a two game road trip to start the season without all your weapons and you're coming home, you know, tied for first place in the division. And Jordan Love looks like this. Uh, tied for first place in the division is a way to put it for sure. It should uh, they should <laughs> clearly be they should clearly be two and zero. Oh. They probably needed one more play on offense. Yeah. Uh, maybe not falling down on a QB sneak would be part of it. Um, but that's just a freak thing. I think with Jordan Love, where I would put him is I am convinced that he can play NFL quarterback and that he could be a starter and that he can run an offense. But now how high is the ceiling? Mm -hmm. uh, what, like what is the top end for him? How consistent can he be on a week to week basis? There's sort of levels to this, right? Where you're like with young quarterbacks talk about Bryce young. And I have no idea whether this guy could play or not with Anthony Richardson. Like, okay, my confidence meter is pretty high after seeing him just actually go out and do it. Jordan love. I would say my confidence meter is even higher considering all of the ways played and all the experience in the preseason and in, in, in an NFL building and, and so forth that he can be an NFL quarterback. And then there's, all right, now where is he going to slot in? Is he going to slot in as a less reckless Jameis Winston, but still has some pretty dumb plays, or is he going to slot in as actually he does pretty well following his coach's instructions? Is he going to be like a Ryan Tannehill, but that's a compliment. I mean, from like a couple years ago, or is there even more there? where he could mm -hmm. be a really good quarterback. And I think Christian Watson has to come back for us to start to find that out. So I've gotten to like level three with Jordan yeah. Love, and then we'll see where, where we go from there. But yeah, let me throw in Sam Howell. I mean, what were they down? Like 21 to three at yeah. one point in that game? And he came back. He's still taking too many sacks, but he, again, looks like a competent NFL quarterback. He can absolutely play in this league. And can they keep winning and, and be a, the sort of shocking team of the year? And Ron Rivera saves his job because of Sam Howell and his belief in him? Like, I don't know, maybe. Or maybe Denver is just not that good. But I, I think you do have to be impressed because the first week you could go as ah, Arizona, you barely won. But we know Denver's got talent on defense. And I don't think it was any this mistake that he was as good as he was. And maybe we will end up looking back at that draft and going like, what happened? He was supposed to be a top pick then fifth round. Like what, what went on there? But I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, not going to pat myself on the back for two weeks. We'll yeah. see how that goes, but, but he can play, he can play in the league. One quarterback I'm a little worried about is, is Desmond Ritter. Um, I just, I don't know if I see it with him necessarily. He just, it's crazy how much he reminds me of Marcus Mariota where he just, you know, we've talked about the game, you know, not looking too fast for some of these guys like Anthony Richardson and love and Howell. the game seems to move too fast for Desmond Ritter. He doesn't really navigate the pressure. Um, it, it's just the, the inconsistency with his decision-making and the accuracy. It's just it every drop back. It feels like we don't know what we're going to get. Um, 
you know, he, he should have had three interceptions in that game against Green Bay. Quay Walker and Jair dropped two. He did have one. Um, you know, he can make some plays because he's athletic and he's got some instincts, but I just I, I just don't know if he's even the guy that should be starting for them this year. Like is I, I get you want to see what he can do, but you're you're two and oh now. You have a guy in, in Taylor Heineke that I just wonder if you know, a guy with more experience, can he do the the simple stuff, the easy buttons that they're so good at hitting in Atlanta? And then when you get to third down, is Heineke a guy that's actually a little bit more reliable, that's not going to, you know, put you in all these compromising games? I mean, like you said, you're one or two plays away from the analysis of that Falcons game being that, you know, Desmond Ritter's mistakes put them too far behind the eight ball. And I love that comparison with Mariota. I mean, different draft status, but Mariota is a guy who is a unbelievable athlete and you keep waiting for it to happen. Like wh- where, do, where does the four, four show up? When does that happen? And I think like Ritter had a run in that game that went for a first down. That I think was a key, kind of a key play. And you're like, Oh, there's a little bit of it, but it's not like a natural play to play athleticism where it's pocket movement and it's off balance throws and it scrambles at the right time to scramble and dodging tacklers. It's a, this guy is fast and athletic but not in a way that he is using to his advantage to be a very good quarterback. Uh, Maybe there's like a Josh McCown comparison where it's like this guy can be in a game and operate an offense and maybe win a game, but doesn't really look like a starter. He looks like a backup quarterback to me playing with a freak show of an offense. And there was a, if you saw the Falcons tweeted out this view of Bijan Robinson from a camera up top, I don't even know how you get this view and he's dodging people. It's insane. Like, okay, I get it. All right, fine. Everybody. I get it. I get why he's taking the first round. I get it. Holy cow. But they've got so much. And if Ryan Tannehill is their quarterback, like they might compete for the NFC. I mean, they, they are so talented and uh, he's going to hold them back. I, I think, because I just don't, don't see that like things happening on time as they should. And when they don't happen on time, then it has to happen in an athletic way where it's like, Oh, it's not on time, but he took off and ran for 20. And I don't really see that either. Uh, that was one of my preseason predictions that Taylor Heineke would be playing by week eight. So we'll, we'll see uh, if they keep winning with Arthur Smith's, handoff, 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 play action, handoff offense, maybe, but I don't know how much they're going to keep winning with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like they're tapping into the run game with him so much that you're losing a lot. Um, you know, going to a guy like Heineke either. Um, all right, let's, let's do something. I don't do a lot on this channel and just talk fantasy football. I, I just, for whatever reason, it's, it's never been, uh, a part of the the football market that has entered my conversations. But uh, I think this show gives us a chance to explore a little bit and do some different things. Um, I want to talk about some, some fantasy football players that we are maybe buying, trying to go out and acquire. Uh, Do you even play fantasy, Matt? I have to admit, (laughs) I mean, obviously I know how it all works, but I am so bad at it. I am so bad. I am just so bad at it. It's like, so take, take my picks with a complete grain of salt as just ways to talk about things that have caught my eye through the first two weeks and do not do anything with your actual team based on what (laughs) I say, because I am awful at it. It's like, that is so much different than the game that I cover 
that I'm like, you know, I just, I don't know. And I I'm bad at managing teams consistently. So anyway, there's your, there's your like uh, asterisk for uh, anything I say. I would put the same disclaimer on myself. I always disclaimer. Put, that's what I was looking for. I always put way too much priority on what should happen and not looking at things from a, you know, fantasy football lens. Like I, I told my wife um, to slot in Rashad Penny on Thursday night against, you know, the Vikings. Cause I thought he would get a, a high workload and turns out I had no idea what he was talking about. He had three carries and Deandre Swift had 200 rushing yards. Um, but yeah, it is still a fun way to look around the league and, and some guys you're intrigued by some guys you're selling the stock of. Um, I, I have a bunch of names here, um, but a couple of my cells to start, I, I sadly have to put Puka Nakua on here. If this is a fantasy football lens, because I really think he's playing the Cooper cup role lines up, you know, he's been lined up in the slot outside, just kind of doing all of the short to intermediate stuff that that Cooper Cup does. And I, you know, I don't know what Cup's timeline is necessary, so uh, is necessarily. So again, take take my opinion with an asterisk because that's one of those things that, you know, maybe he is going to miss the rest of the year. But I do feel like coming off, you know, setting the record for like rookie receivers through two weeks, dude's been insane. He's a super talented receiver. I think he has a bright future. Um, but I do think the usage within that offense like once Cooper cup comes back, I do think Puka Nakua is honestly going to take a bit of a seat because you got two twos playing great as their speedster separator type van Jefferson's they're kind of more vertical, larger bodied receiver. And, and maybe he, he overtakes van Jefferson uh, when cup comes back, but it'd be a different role and the production would be entirely different. So uh, he's a guy that I, I would sell in like a single um, season league. Another guy I'm selling is someone I did get to witness in person this weekend in Dallas, uh, Garrett Wilson, my dude. And this breaks my heart because just a couple weeks ago, I was saying this guy might be the number one wide receiver in fantasy football this year with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Um, but Zach Wilson just looks broken. I know they were playing the Jets, uh, the Cowboys defense, and and he'll have more opportunities moving forward. But I mean, he, he had one big play in this game. It was, you know, a broken tackle that he takes to the house. That's not going to happen every week. I love Garrett Wilson. I think he's supremely talented. But if you can get something good for him two weeks into the year where he's he's gotten some touchdowns and, you know, people look at him where he was drafted coming into the year, he's still producing. If you've got someone that's not super keen to just how bad Zach Wilson has been throwing the football, I would, I would get out of town now because um, I think there are some really rough weeks coming for – for Garrett Wilson. I just wanted to send Garrett Wilson a condolences card on Sunday. Just like, I, it just says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what happened to you. That dude is so wildly talented. It, it reminded me of like the Larry Fitzgerald years where Ryan Lindley and John Skelton are throwing him the ball. It's like, I, I'm sorry, man. Like uh, God will reward you eventually. I think with a good quarterback, but it ain't today. That's just going to be such a tough season for him. He's going to have to grind through each week with Zach Wilson or whoever they acquire. I think after this week, the desperation needs to be turned up for getting a different quarterback because it's sad to say that Carson Wentz is like twice as good as Zach Wilson, but Carson Wentz is twice as good as Zach Wilson. Yeah. At least he could throw some guys the ball sometime. It was just such a miserable experience to watch. And um, yeah, I mean, as far as the, the other one, yeah, Cup probably comes back. That I understand where you're coming from there. Somebody put like a Jeremy Lin picture next to uh, Nakua. I was like, he's better than that. 
that, that might <laughs> that might be it. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. It's always hard to tell. You know, like when I remember when Adam Thielen had this huge game in 2016, people were like, oh, good for the local kid. He had this yeah. one big game, but that'll be it for his career or something. And that uh, he was, you know, multi pro bowler. I would say now here's a here's one I want your opinion on. Since I, again, I'm I'm not great at this. Jameer Gibbs. What do we do with Jameer Gibbs? Is he going to be a center to this offense? Is he not? Because through the first couple of weeks, I imagine all those fantasy people who were super excited about Jameer Gibbs and, and oh, he's going to play wide receiver and running back and left tackle and cornerback and kick returner and everything. Like, stop Seriously. It. No one ever does that. <laughs> no one ever does that. Okay. Stop it. Stop saying that everyone's going to be a wide receiver. Eric Metcalf is not working, th- walking through that door or Percy Harvin, depending on your age. It's mm. not happening. Uh, so far, I've just been underwhelmed by them spending that pick on him. And I mean, we've seen it from B. John Robinson, but not Jameer Gibbs. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been I've been on this from the very beginning and going at it with Lions fans like big time. Like it, it just like you said, it does not happen. It's easy for these coaches in May to have all these ideas in their head about how they're going to use a guy, especially a guy like Ben Johnson, who is creative. But once the games start, you don't break that stuff out. You stick them back there. You throw them check downs. You throw them screens. Yeah, you might line them out wide and run a slant or a crossing route, but you're not doing anything with Jameer Gibbs that you weren't doing with DeAndre Swift or can't do with, you know, I don't know, Theo Riddick when he was back in Detroit. Like, yeah, he's fast, but he's also just not been a good running back. Like, I think he's averaging like 2.4 yards a carry. And, you know, Montgomery is his you know, he's worked out some really difficult yardage for them. He actually has power and vision and I like Gibbs as a prospect, but I wanted him to go to Miami or San Francisco or green Bay. One of these outside zone systems where they get them consistently, you know, stretch in the corner in space, or even like, a you know, James cook or, or what, what the Eagles have seen with, with Deandre Swift, where it's one of these spread offenses and you've got a QB, you know, keeper option that's holding that defensive end. And you've got these wide open rush lanes for these speedy backs. Detroit is a power ground and pound throwback offense. They're not going to, you know, as much as they want to talk about it in May, they're not going to take this twig running back and shove them between the tackles all game. It's just not going to happen. We even saw it in this game, David Montgomery gets hurt and in comes Craig Reynolds. Like it's, it just never made sense. Um, He's talent, like he is. He is a talented back. We we saw, especially in that Chiefs game, you know, him in space making plays. But it just this whole thing has been crazy. Um, when they drafted him, they said he, they had a higher grade on him than than Bijan Robinson. Like that is that is psychotic behavior from the Detroit Lions, and it's now being played out on the field. So I I would have I never bought him in the first place. But yeah, if you can still get something for him, sell, sell, sell. And uh, yeah, your chat is right. Uh, Elvin Kamara and uh, Taysom Hill, they are uh, maybe a little more dynamic players. And, and, you know, Christian McCaffrey as well. But I feel like we hear this all the time with draft pick running backs, where it's like, you guys say don't draft running backs, but this guy is different. He can do all these things. And it's pretty darn rare that that actually comes to fruition. And by the way, even if you think that Gibbs is better than uh, B. John Robinson, don't say it with your face right. because you're just asking for it. You just ask you to look foolish and they already do through a couple of weeks. Uh, the other one I would say, this is not controversial, but I go back to, 
and I respect Mike Florio and his crazy Twitter account and all those things and whatever. But when the Vikings let go Delvin Cook, he tweeted like, are they tanking? What are they doing? How are they getting rid of Delvin Cook? And I feel like that captured the sentiment of most of the national media where it was like, let's go to NFL Live. How are the Vikings letting go Delvin Cook? And of course, anybody who watched the Vikings play was like, I what do you mean? Like he's very expensive and he's not good anymore. They were like 27th in rushing EPA last year. What are we doing here? This is not 2019 anymore. And Oh boy, it has been ugly, 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 ugly looking for Delvin cook so far. So if you got Delvin cook thinking, Hey, he'll be the guy there until Brees halls back to hundred percent. Nope. Nope, that's yeah. a that's a drop. But you, if you're good at fantasy, you probably already dropped him anyway. I just, I, but I think it's just noticeable that he has not brought anything like what they thought he was going to bring. Yeah, the juice is gone there. By the way, Alvin Kamara, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Jameer Gibbs, one hundred and ninety nine pounds. A little bit of a difference there, uh, in terms of how you can use the guy. Um, okay, one guy I'm buying is Zay Flowers. This dude looks awesome in Baltimore. I I think he's the best wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens already ahead of Odell and um, Bateman. They can use him to all three levels. I mean, mean, just look up two weeks of highlights on the dude. He's, he's super explosive. I think leading the charge for potentially who the best wide receiver in this overall draft is going to be. You look at how the Ravens offense looked this week. uh, I think he's going to, he's going to load up the points this year. Yeah. I like that pick. And uh, I think that, and again, I, you know, any anything that I believed before the season that has gone right, I'm going to mention and I am going to congratulate myself. OK, so let's just be <laughs> clear on that, because that's what everyone does. That's why we watch football. But when that draft was going on and I'm looking at the guys who are in this draft, Smith, Najigba, Addison, Zay Flowers and teams are drafting running backs and they're drafted tackles and stuff like I know they're not perfect. But these guys can play, I think. And and Addison has looked terrific so far. It's a little easier to look terrific when Justin Jefferson's on your team, but I I wouldn't short sell that. I think he's only going to get better. He's a guy that I would buy. Uh, Jordan Addison, as the season goes along, he's looked great. And Flowers is just a baller. I mean, if you throw it up, he's going to make a play on it. He's kind of like a Tyler Lockett type where Mm -hmm. it's not physically the most impressive, but the ball tracking, the playmaking is spectacular route running, all that stuff. Like, I think if we redid this draft, those two would already shoot way up that first round board. So I think that teams got too caught up on what they couldn't do and lost sight of how valuable someone like that can be. Uh, Mine would be uh, the dude from new Orleans, uh, Rashid Shahid. Uh, And I, this, where did he come from? I I don't (laughs) know. I started paying attention. Just started paying attention to this guy a little bit last year and they were bad. So you're not watching them that often. And then I'm I keep, every time he comes up, I'm like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. I, he could just blaze super fast. And speaking of like, who is this guy? Nico Collins. Okay. Like he looks like he's going to be a main target for CJ Stroud. Oh, he was an undrafted free agent from Weber state. Okay. Yep. Uh, I was going to say, how did I miss this, this guy? Because he's such a dynamic player. So uh, there's been a couple of receivers who I didn't really think anything of who have already kind of stepped up. And how about this for the Detroit lions fans who cannot stand you because you have uh, criticized the lions. 
Josh Reynolds can play, man. Josh Reynolds <laughs> is a pretty good wide receiver. We kept saying all offseason, they have nobody except for Amon Ross St. Brown. Nobody could play. Josh Reynolds, pretty good wide receiver, deserves his credit. Yeah, I'd agree. Solid, solid option. Absolutely. Um, yeah, let's let's do our final topic here. Uh, so this one came to me because there's always the stat that comes out. Uh, you know, 11% of teams that start 0-3 uh, make the playoffs every year. And I wanted to talk about some teams that are really kind of back backs against their wall, who have their most, you know, the the these big games coming up, who have their backs against the wall, and, and how are they going to fare this weekend against their opponent? I, I think there's two clear ones, but I'm curious which ones you wrote down in case you had any other thoughts. I had Patriots and Chargers. So well, were- one of one of one of them is playing the Chargers for me. I mean, char- Chargers obviously. Like the the Chargers came into the season believing they could win the Super Bowl, and they have started out looking really nothing like a team that can win the Super Bowl. With respect to the Titans' defensive line, I saw them in joint practice against the Vikings, and they absolutely beat the hell out of the Vikings. I mean, there's there's beasts there, but come on, tired target, know his name. He was, he started a fight and uh, he actually had to play in the preseason game because he started a fight in practice. Tart <laughs> is a great player, Still but good. Simmons, Simmons is like a premier player in the whole league. Like if we're ranking all players, non quarterbacks, he's like top 10 for me. That guy is destructive. Mm-hmm. That said, Ryan Tannehill is not destructive and giving up 70 yard passes and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I don't know why Brandon Staley's defenses can't play. I think it's a combination of, that Fangio defense requires great cornerback play and they do not have great cornerbacks. I also think that when you make, when you when you make a bet on a corner from Bill Belichick, you are kind of asking for it because everyone who does that seems to have it blow up in their face yeah. and old Khalil Mack is just not young Khalil Mack. They're desperate though. I mean, if they don't win, then yeah, it's they're in bad shape and the Vikings, I think as well. I mean, the Vikings, they, they're bringing in people. They're making some roster changes. They want to get back to the playoffs. And even though they made a lot of changes over the year, they should be desperate as heck because you look at this NFC North, it's like, it's not that impressive. You fall to 0-3, it becomes very hard to make the playoffs and win the division. So I think this is huge for the winner of that game. Yeah, absolutely. The reason I didn't have the Vikings is just because I, I think the NFC is a little bit more manageable. Um and I think if they fall to 0-3, I'm I'm still gonna be like, well, they're not out of it yet. But if the Chargers drop to 0-3 and, and they get up lit up by Kirk Cousins and the defense continues to look bad, it's like this season's almost over already. And like you gotta move on from Brandon Staley. Like, what the hell is going on with that? It's I, is is there a worse coach in the NFL right now? Like, if you had to rank them, I mean you got the new guys, uh... but yeah, I mean, as far as yeah, I mean, versus expectations. I mean, this was supposed to be a guy who came in and gave them the defense that they needed with Justin Herbert. Because even though there are people who act like Herbert is flawless and he's just as good as Mahomes or something, he's not. He's a really good quarterback who's going to need a great defense, who's going to need a line, who's going to need receivers. The offensive side has given him pretty much everything they can, and the defense is giving up 70-yard passes. Like, I mean, yeah. it's asking Herbert to do everything for years now and not being able to fix it. I, I think, you know what's funny, though, is sometimes teams sort of chase 
like yesterday's trend today. And it was like, everybody got excited about like, Oh, Fangio. If you say the word fan, it was like the McVeigh thing. Like, Ooh, you know, McVeigh, you should hire him. He knows McVeigh feels a little bit of the same way. And then it's always the roster though, man. Like, Hey, look, Jalen Ramsey made this guy's job easier. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, Hey, Aaron Donald, Hey, Vaughn Miller. Hey, right. And so I don't know. I, I I agree with you though. I, I think he is the most under the gun coach who seems kind of in over his head at trying to coach a defense and the entire team. Yep. Totally agree. Um, The other one I have is the Patriots, another AFC team. I just think falling down to zero and three in the AFC is going to be really tough, even though it might not be quite as big of this, you know, monster conference that we thought coming in, you know, the jets obviously have fallen off. The Bengals are, are starting slow. Uh, the chargers don't look great. Like it's, you know, the Bron- the Broncos already look like a bad football team. So it might not be this monster conference, but um, you know, an own three start is really hard to overcome. And it's like, they've been so close in new England. I know this was one of your takes coming in. I agreed with you that the Patriots are going to be better. Uh, than you would expect, but they've just been against a hurricane this year. They they get off to a, a slow start against the Eagles, go on to actually play pretty well in that game. I thought they looked good. And then they run into Miami playing a great game um, on, on Sunday Night Football. So I just, they got to get this thing on track. They can't continue to let, let these tough matchups get the best of them. Favorable matchup this week at the Jets. Want to see them, you know, come out, prove that they are one of the top defenses in the NFL, confuse Zach Wilson in the way that, you know, Bill Belichick's defenses are kind of famous for confusing rookie quarterbacks. I, w- I would say Zach Wilson is processing at a rookie level right now, uh, if not worse. So, you know, I want to see a couple turnovers. I, and Mac Jones has actually played pretty well this year. Uh, they've had some drive stall for weird reasons, but. Yeah, gotta gotta get the season back on track because I've been defending the Patriots now for a couple weeks. I've been defending them throughout the season, and uh, you just at some point you got to start uh, tallying some wins. I don't know if any team has faced the harder first two weeks than them, mm-hmm. and they've been in both games, which is not like something you could put on your banner. Been close in both games. Congratulations. <laughs> but what they need to do is teach their offensive linemen. If you get the ball and uh, you reach it out, try to get the first down. That's that's uh, no, I, I actually think that the Patriots will get things turned around and they'll get going. And I think that they should win this week and they should be a good team. Denver, though, you kind of dismiss Denver as like, oh, I think they're just bad. Who cares? But like you hired Sean Payton, you traded for Russell Wilson. We can't we can't just be like, ah, whatever. I mean, it's one of the worst <laughs> trades of all time. If they don't turn their season around to me, this is very much a do or die uh, week for them. And for Sean Payton, for the Russell Wilson era, like he showed some flashes last week of downfield passing. And if it doesn't get together fast, Mr. Unlimited, uh, his limited time in Denver is going to be brutal. It seems. And all those off season, well, can Payton turn them around? I I never bought it, but uh, it's not looking good so far. Yeah, and that's that was like double doubling down too because they gave another first round pick to go get Sean Payton, so that's a good point. I mean, this, I have already kind of dismissed them because I got, got so used to them disappointing last year. But yeah, I mean, if you're a Broncos fan, you're like, what the hell is going on at this point? So totally, um, they play the the Dolphins this weekend. It looks like so that's going to be a real challenge for them. Um, but. That's all we got. Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in again. Uh, 
Matthew, this has been so fun. I've been really enjoying these weekly shows. Uh, we will be back, I believe, to Tuesdays after this. I had to delay us um, because of our Dallas trip this weekend. But um, you got anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, uh, so I'll be live on my channel talking Vikings. If there's Vikings fans out there, Purple Insider YouTube channel at uh, about 9.30 tonight. Going Lynx, Lynx playoff game here in town Ooh. in uh, Minnesota. And uh, the book, the book, two weeks away, two weeks away. Football is a numbers game. Go check it out. You've got a copy. You started reading it, Marcus. I started so, reading uh, it on the plane. It's I'll, awesome. I'll force I I'll force you to talk about it and promote it more at some point, but I'm excited yes. about it. Two weeks away from it dropping pre-sales going on now. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next week. Peace out.